My name is Paul Duncan, and this is the Football Scouting uh, Podcast. And today we have our guest, Shiana Renchkowski. Um, we are going to be talking about her journey from being a fan into getting into scouting, uh, her experiences with the co- uh, College uh, College Gridiron Showcase, and we're going to talk about some of the players she, uh, she scouted. How are you doing today, Shay? Oh, I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So this is our third podcast. And, you know, once you get to the third podcast, you start developing a format. You kind of get like uh, some expectations about how things are going. And I think things are going on, uh, going, going through quite nicely. So uh, Shay, why don't, um, Shay is our scout, um, one of the scouts at XTB. She, uh, she came along when we were still at uh, draft right and she stuck around she's been pr- she's been providing us with, with lots of reports over at XTB and um she she was also one of the people who've come over from Sports Info Solutions so uh, Shay would you uh, mind telling me like how you got from just being a regular old sports fan to learning uh learning scouting and uh being a person who's on the cusp of being a part of this industry yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was younger, I grew up with three brothers, so always been one of the guys, whether it was my brothers or friends growing up. Uh, so yeah, those three pain in my rear ends of brothers, they got me into sports since a, at a young age. Um, so I've, as a fan, I've probably been following football for about 15 years. Um, I went to school. I went to. I graduated from SUNY Brockport. It is a New York school. Um, and I got my degree in sports management along with a minor in coaching. Um, and then I took a year off from school, start working, get some money, you know, you know the deal. And then I decided to go to grad school, which I am in the process of finishing in my last semester right now, um, with Canisius College, online program only. Um, and then going into my first semester of grad school, I was offered an internship with Sports Info Solutions or SIS for short, that we all like to call it. Um, one, this helped me because I needed an internship anyways for school. And two, I learned so much more about the sport of football from that four months spend, uh, spent with SIS than I thought I ever could. And I owe so much of the knowledge I have now and so much of my future successes to Matt Manicharian and the whole SIS staff, uh, Nate Cooper, um, Dan Forenbach, uh, John Todd, all those guys, Bryce Rossler, uh, they helped me a lot. And, you know, as a, I want to say, I don't want to bring it up as an, oh, my God, she's, an, she's the only female ever. But I was one of two females hired that summer for Sports Info Solutions, and we were the first two females hired as football video scouts for SIS, which I I love the idea of being a trailblazer in the industry as there's so many others that came before me, like um, Kelly Brownson, who was a coach for Dartmouth and then took an internship with the Bills and is now Kevin Stefanski's assistant. Um, Chief of staff, I believe. Yes. Uh, yes, she is. She just got, this past offseason, she was hired as Chief of staff. So, Kathleen Wood, who worked for, who now works for the Browns, uh, she worked for the Senior Bowl. I love the idea of myself as being a trailblazer, um, but I owe SIS, I, I owe so much gratitude to SIS for all that. Yeah, um, it's like, when I think of, like, how 
like the things that I learned the most from football. One, I still think Madden is probably number one. Like you, <laughs> for sure. Like if you, I know everybody likes to hit, likes to hate on Madden, and I mean there are a lot of good reasons to do so. But there, they do have some tool, really good tools in there to help you learn like the ins and outs, ins and outs of football. Like if you want, if you want to find it, if you want to find the things to game plan, especially in some of the older games, you can find them. Like that's how I learned, learned about coverages. That's how I learned about um, what, what play types can beat certain coverages was because I was trying to beat some people in Madden. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with um, sports info solutions, it was kind of a similar spot for me. I mean, I loved I love that job. Um, I'd say like just get being able to go to work and just watch a football game was really great. But what really what I really loved was I just loved uh, talk uh, talking with all of the other uh, dudes in the office. It was a smaller operation when I was there because I was with Sports Info Solutions in 2017 before I went. Okay. And- Sports Info Solutions, so there was only like 30 people there, and I know it's a lot more yeah. when you were there. Yeah, so we actually like had a, mm-hmm. So yeah, there it was a smaller group, and like usually there was two groups: the dudes who did their uh, charting upstairs and the dudes who charted downstairs. And it's like we all got to really know each other at our tables. We got to get into uh, fun arguments. I always loved being kind of that. Um, you think I'm a hot take guy, but then I actually have like the numbers and the ideas and like the actual stats to back up my hot takes. Yeah. I think it was uh, 2017. I was on the Case Keenum might just be the MVP uh, hype train. <laughs> Everybody thought I was crazy, but then I would pull up Football Outsiders and kind of <clears throat> or pull up PFF uh, PFF data and say, hey, maybe I'm not crazy. But yeah. yeah that didn't happen. <laughs> so yeah, being able to have somebody to learn about the schemes, about coverages, about run concepts, about like the little details you might miss or that the announcers only have like 15 seconds to touch on. So you might be able to see, oh, Chris Collinsworth is explaining a wham block by Rob Gronkowski for the <laughs> sixth time, but actually knowing why they're calling a wham block, why they're calling the wham blocks and things of that nature. That's like, that's kind of the stuff that you can get in that office setting. Yeah. Um, before SIS, I knew basic, I knew route, I knew some route types, I knew positions, I knew different defensive schemes, but blocking schemes, coverages, uh, why teams do certain things and why they throw it one route instead of another when the other guy's more open. I've learned so much from with that four months i'm so glad with all i'm so glad i took that internship because it opened so many doors for me after the fact yeah some sometimes i wish i could go back but then i realized that the uh, rent in uh allentown or like the lehigh valley was just it was just way too high <laughs> that, that was the main, <laughs> was so that was the main reason that was the main reason i left i um because with sports info solutions um, you you go to the office and chart games, but when you work at PFF, you chart the games from home. So there isn't like a set office at PFF. It's just all done remotely. So gotcha. instead of needing to live out in Pennsylvania, Oof. I could chill in yeah. uh, at Grandma's house in my underwear and watch football and get money. 
Yeah, that was definitely, I made it work and I was more than, I was more than okay when it came to the money situation as one, I had two roommates and two, I started, I've been taught to save my money and been taught to budget well. And so I had enough, as my parents would call it, quote unquote, oh shit money in my bank account (sighs) in case anything happened. Like I remember the first week at SIS, I got a flat tire, completely flat. And I was like, well, I don't have a spare tire. What am I going to do? Here comes my old shit money. And I had to go and buy a new tire and it worked. So I was fine. It was just quite expensive. Yep. You, you just had to, you just had to uh, wait another couple weeks before you uh, either hit the bars or eat out or whatever, yeah. whatever your preferable <laughs> thing, uh, your preferential thing to waste money on is. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I went out and enjoyed time with the guys outside of the office until like a month into the internship like I was trying to adjust to moving away from home and living alone and then I also just started school so I had to get back in the groove of school and into balance the 40-hour work week I was a mess that first month I was trying to figure it all out but luckily I did and it turned out great <laughs> absolutely that is that is what we are uh <clears throat> That's kind of just what you have to do when you're in sports. It's like, it's not the easiest thing. You're not going to get paid a lot. But if you're willing to be willing to watch football games on the weekend and hustle at Taco Bell, which is what I was doing for a while, or drive Uber, like once we we cross the gap, once we cross the um, actually getting paid, actually getting paid livable money to do this, I'm sure it will be all, uh, it will be all worth it. Um, I, I'm reading Scout Speak by Neil Stratton, and he said that like the um, like entry level scouts are now starting like starting to get paid like more more money, and like the book is actually was like saying that hey these entry level scouts aren't getting paid a lot of money. I think it was like twenty to forty thousand dollars a year, depending on year one or year two. And I'm like, I would kill for that right now. I know, right? <laughs> like. I'm barely making 15 grand a year and you're saying we start at 20? Sign me up. Let's go. I know. Like, I mean, I know uh, I hate mentioning this uh, C word of coronavirus, but like, that's just like my um, my backup plan. um, If I couldn't be a football scout was working in baseball because I love baseball, too. But I love working as an usher and a ticket taker, customer service. My other main oh. skill besides being able to um, watch football games is I'm good at being nice to people. And it's like, coronavirus <laughs> ruined that, too. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Corona ruined a lot of things. I had so many potential job offers or paid internship offers with, like, Division One or even Division Two or three schools. And they weren't even, like, I would have to move. I'd be living on my own again. And I'd be getting paid to do it and doing what I want to do. But, you know, Corona had to come along in 2020 and ruin all that. So here we are. Yep. So um, what um, one of the things that's been kind of nice. So after you got done working with uh, Sports Info Solutions, um, you, you eventually uh, uh, sign up and uh, start working for us. We've been having uh, these scout school sessions with uh, Searle and um 
what have been some of the main things that you have learned? Because like Sports Info Solutions kind of lays that ground, that ground level, the stuff you absolutely need to know um, for coverages, run schemes. But one of the yeah. things I think Searle did well was he kind of covered that next level. He knew that we were past football uh, 101, we're past football yeah. 202. Now it's time to get into the nitty gritty. What were some of the uh, things that you've learned from the scout uh, over the last what is it now? Like five, six months we've been doing this? Yeah. Um, well, I want to say one, when me and you had that one-on-one um, film session with coverages, that helped a lot because coverages are are and were my weakness. Sometimes I still get confused, but I am a lot better now. So thank you for that little film session that one night. Um when we get all, when we all get together on Thursday or Wednesday nights, whatever night we happen to get together that week, um, I do. I learned a lot when we did defensive linemen and edge rushers uh, mm-hmm. about first steps um, and then their balance and if their feet are too uh, too far apart, and you're probably not going to have that great of balance. So you want to have basically want to have shoulder width, shoulder width apart. Feet is what I learned in high school when I was playing sports. Um, that's usually a better stance where you're not going to get knocked over. Um, so shoulder width apart for your stance. Um, all guys keeping their heads on a swivel. Well, I love I love seeing defensive linemen's heads up, like not not buried into the offensive lineman's chest. I want to see their heads up and looking to see where the quarterback's going or the running back, whoever has the ball, um, as they have their eyes in the backfield. Um, and then also, what else have we done? We've done corners and safeties, um, flipping hips. Love to see the smooth flip of the hips. Once I see that, they get a higher, they're more likely to get a higher grade from me than if they cannot flip their hips in a smooth motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, um, offensive line in line play is usually kind of like the last step of like scouting. I feel it's a lot easier for um, someone who's like just getting in, uh, just really getting in to try and take that next step from football 101 to 202 to scout a quarterback than it would be for an offensive lineman because like being able to notice issues like balance and being able to recognize like a good posture for an offensive lineman versus a bad posture, being able to recognize, um, Hey, this defensive lineman just bull rushes the offensive lineman. Why did this happen? Oh, it was because his, um, he, he, he was too high and didn't have the right leverage or his feet were too close, uh, too close to his body. So he was too narrow. So it was easier for him to get pushed back. So being yeah. able to recognize, oh, hey, this something happened here. This was a good play. This was a bad play. Why that happened and what was the actual detail, the feet, the losing the hand battle, letting the lineman get the hand, the defensive lineman get the hands in um, to, on the offensive lineman's frame to push him back, like, all of those de- all of those details, like once you learn them, it can be it can be so much more fun to watch offensive line play. I my yeah, personal favorite is sure. the hand fighting, like trying just trying to like slow mo it down, see who gets that hand uh, hands on the body first, seeing who wins the yeah, battle and what sure. tricks are doing. Mm. That is, that yeah, is my I've uh, always, favorite part. Yeah, I've always struggled with offensive linemen, um, but once we got into um, a little film session about um, 
offensive linemen and defensive linemen with their hand usage. Um, I know I did Will Fries of Penn State, I believe. Uh, I believe that's who I did for my off- my first offensive lineman. Um, Cyril said it was a very good report, which I was surprised at because I was like, offensive linemen are not my thing. Let me just get this out of the way real quick. Uh, but he said it turned out very well. And I'm su- I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. And then as you scout more and more offensive linemen, you will start to notice like di- uh, differences in them. You'll actually be able to, like if, you wa- if you're watching your first offensive lineman, it may be kind of hard to find a reference point to say, oh, this guy has good foot quickness, but I don't know if it's great. But then you start watching a couple more guys, you'll be able to recognize a lot more, a lot more uh, quickly whether or not though you'll be able to kind of like almost in your head uh, rank these guys or get tier uh, tiered rankings about this guy's got really really good feet this guy's got good enough feet to that it shouldn't be a liability at the next level this guy's feet are okay but I mean I'm not going to like want that for my starting lineman and like you can kind of like sort sort through these guys a lot better the more experience you get yeah for sure all right Let's talk you talk about the uh, College Gridiron Showcase and your uh, your experience with them. So I know yes. it was this last season you were an intern for them. So I think you was uh, like a liaison kind of experience where you were kind of just helping out uh, the college players get to where they need uh, the athletes get to where they need to go, just helping out with whatever is um whatever is needed. Is that correct? Is there anything more? Yeah, to I basically did what. Yeah, I basically did whatever I was told. Um, so it was a long, it was definitely a long week. Um, you worked like 12, 14 hour days and had to be up at like 5 a.m. the next day to start the to start the next round of whatever needed to be done. Um, the first few days, it was more like just getting set up. So it was more like set up our home base. So we had like our own little office where we put all the stuff that the co-founders needed. Uh, all the paperwork and stuff. Um, I believe the second day, the second night is when athletes started to arrive. That's when I would go <clears throat> and help out, um, check them in, hand them bags. Uh, their bags contained like a practice jersey and a name tag. And with the name tag, they had to wear that at all times so people knew who they were, where they're supposed to be. And I believe it also said what school they were from and if they were part of the large showcase or the small school showcase. So CGS or College Red Iron Showcase, CGS for short, has a small school showcase and a big school showcase. And last year, I don't remember how many people that were moved up, but there were quite a few people that moved up from the small school to the large school showcase because of their size, their talent, their athleticism, um, whatever the scouts and whatever the um, coaches saw. And they pointed out and they talked about it. They decided to move those however many people up to the uh, large school showcase. So when we eventually got to um, the football field and football related activities, uh, I was basically I was basically a manager. I did whatever I was asked, no questions asked, just go do it. And and this paid off for me, and I'll explain that later. Um, so if you just do what you're told, you're you're gonna stand out real quick. Right, people will notice you and take notice that you're willing to do anything, do the little dirty work. It, 
as long as you're willing to do it, you're gonna get you're gonna get eyes on you. You're gonna people are gonna want to talk to you. People are gonna want to hire you or use you for their organization. Um, but back to the football related activities, more like the practices, uh, little, the different drills. And eventually, we got the scrimmages. Um, so I was a ball girl. I set up the practice field, set up the different drills, um, and that was for the last couple days. Um, um, and my favorite part as an intern was being what they call the scout runner. That was when um, you would go, scouts from all 32, 31 of the 32 NFL teams were there. And then there were a couple CFL teams there as well. So our job as scout runners would be to go to, <clears throat> to these scouts of these professional teams and ask them, hey, who do you want to see? Do you, you want to see them in a specific order? Um, so it helped to have, like, I had a notebook and a pen with me, so it helped to have, write it, I wrote it all down, what team and who they wanted to see, what their position and their team was, uh, team name and position. And then we would go to the, there was like a giant conference room where they were all sitting in, where they were uh, sitting around just talking. Um, some days they would bring their Xbox or their PS4 and they'd play Madden in the corner. Um, but it was just a place for them to all sit around and chat, catch up. Uh, but we would go to the front of the room, and with the microphone that they provided for us, they would, we would ask to say, hey, I need to see these people, come follow me to the door, and then you would bring them to the scouts. Um, I took on as many scouts as I could, and towards the end, when, <clears throat> when it was getting to the end of the week, nobody really needed to, needed to see that many more people. I took it upon myself to say, hey, is there anybody else you need to see? And if they said no, I'd be like, oh, are you all set then? He's like, then they'd be like, yeah or no. Or they're chit-chatting about who, they, who else they want to see. I'm like, oh, do you have a few seconds to spare for me to talk to you? And I did it when I knew they didn't need to see anybody else, when they were mostly done, they weren't busy. So I got the opportunity to speak to almost half of the scouts that were representing the NFL. And as I sat down and talked to them, I just asked them, was there any, is there any um, advice you could give me as a young woman or as a young person, a young adult, going into the uh, the sport industry, the world of football, what I can do to get my name out there to um, make myself more approachable, uh, anything else. And I also put together pamphlets. I I think I brought 20 with me, so I didn't have enough for everybody anyways. Um, but those pamphlets included scouting reports from the SIS Rookie Handbook that I've written. They also included my resume and I believe a cover letter as well. And it was just a general cover letter, so I didn't really have, have to print out different ones for different teams. Um, so I would hand them, I would ask them, would you be willing to give this to whoever is in charge of looking over resumes and whatever. And everybody I talked to took one. Um, they said, no problem. I'll give this to my supervisor or whoever is in charge of looking over that stuff. Um, so I think I talked to 14 different scouts, from different teams, and they all took copies of my resume, cover letter and whatnot. Um, and I just thought that was a very successful week long internship, whether it was from making connections or having the opportunity to talk to scouts when it, when it wasn't hectic. That's yes. Like that is amazing. That is exactly what you need to do. That should be 
the game plan for whenever you are trying to go to the Senior Bowl or any college all-star game is just be able to recognize when scouts scouts or people you want to talk with have a second. Uh, talk with them. Give them your name, your info. Ask good, ask good questions, and try and try to build relationships out of that. I know my main place to network has been at the Senior Bowl. I remember the very first um, Senior Bowl I was at. The first like people I saw was John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson of the Browns of that year, <laughs> and I'm I'm a big Browns fan, so it was like. On one hand, I just want to go up and talk with them about like brown stuff, but on the other hand, I knew that hey, this is a chance to be professional. Um, so I went up there and uh, asked for advi- um, asked for advice. I do think it also kind of helped that I look like I'm 17. Like I um, like I feel that like if I um if you're going up to these people and you have like a full beard and a beer belly and are are asking for advice. Or for advice, they'll be like not as willing as if you're like look, you like, look you like, like a kid or something. Yes, <laughs> like so. Yeah, I um I talk I talked with them. I um I had the um the scouting a scouting report at the time that I I made of Josh Allen, and I had all the resources that um I had like the 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 what is it, the report guide that um, Matt gave us with, like, yes. um, how the 2013 Browns scouted um, and did all of their processes. So I let John Dorsey look um, look at them, and I let, uh, and I talked with Hugh. Um, Hugh was definitely, was definitely very nice. He tried to kind of play, play up to that, like, a, a, um, a good advice to uncle kind of guy. Just, <laughs> um, for the most part, telling me, like, this things that every person will tell you if you work hard study the game watch film don't uh don't you don't just use numbers for your evaluation you got to watch the tape things of that nature and then dorsey would inter um interject every um every once in a while the uh, funniest um part was uh so john dorsey was definitely a lot more quiet but occasionally he would interject and he felt a lot more cold in his um in his like delivery while like he was trying to be like the comforting dad john dorsey was like this is like what reality is it's hard um at one point um i uh my go-to joke my go-to like little joke is like i always say i want to become general manager of the cleveland browns and lead them to the super bowl whenever um somebody asks me what my goal in life is i just think that's like the most out there um like goal possible and it's, it can also be humorous i can then yeah. follow it off uh follow it up with the joke uh if that doesn't pan out my backup plan is to become president of the united states <laughs> but yes yeah, so that's kind of my go-to joke for old rich people but yeah, yeah um, they enjoy mm-hmm. weird jokes mm-hmm. and uh john dorsey just asked me straight up um, who he, who I would take if I was the general manager of the Browns at number one. And I'm like, well, there's still only January. There's plenty of time. Then he said five seconds. And then I go oh. Baker Mayfield. 
So he put me on the spot, told me who I who I want to take at number one. I said Baker Mayfield, and this was still at the point where Baker Mayfield was kind of like he was like the fourth or fifth guy on most boards. Yeah. Like the full Baker hype train hadn't left the station yet. And then Dorsey was like, oh, so you want to draft a midget. And then eventually John Dorsey drafted the midget. Exactly. It was it was a it was a great time, but I also think it kind of shows that we have a similar mentality when it comes to networking, and that is one, don't have fear. Like the general managers and the scouts, they're all they're all people too. If you like walk up to them and address them address them as people, they were in your shoes at one point. You just have to like find them at a time when they're not busy. And you have to kind of find the balance of being persistent, but not, um, but not annoying. I know one of the things that's been kind of unfortunate is I have like, I'll talk with people at the senior bowl. And then when I try to do follow-up emails, they just get lost in their shuffle. So that's why I haven't really been able to build, uh, have why I thought kind of my last senior bowl wasn't as good as it should have been is just, I got some contacts, but I was never able to get that follow-up email, that conversation with them, that next level step. Yeah. But you you were able you you've been able to get get some of those because you were talking with more scouts. So yeah, when you're yeah. at the senior bowl, don't be afraid. To, uh, talk with everybody. Talk with the big boys up top. Talk talk with the scout scouting assistants in the in the middle, and talk with people in the same spot. Talk with people like us. Um, talk with the people at PFF and SIS and the people who are just getting their uh start in the industry because you never know. Who might get who might get promoted? Maybe a uh, good old Rob Simpson or Sorrel Penn is, are going to get their um, <laughs> are going to get their NFL job in the next couple of years. And as long as we kind of keep that relationship with them, as long as we pr- keep proving to them that we're hardworking and no football, you know that that's that's how you get jobs through relationships. Yeah. So that's Unfortunately, kind of, that's how it works. It's yeah. not always what you know; it's who you know. And. And I had that had that drilled into my head for the last what six seven years. Whew. Yep, exactly. And you got you got to use that use that to your advantage because on one hand it sucks because I don't know about your you but my dad is not an NFL head football coach or it was yeah, not nope. an NFL GM. <laughs> I'm not a Schottenheimer. I'm not related to the Joneses. I was not born into this by any means. I mean, heck, my family doesn't even have Thanksgiving on or football on on Thanksgiving. I'm like, hey, can you put the Cowboys Whoa. game on? <laughs> and then I'm then then it's like there's like a little foot uh, TV in the corner, and I'm watching it. And then every once in a while, my uncle will come up and be like, "Who's winning?" <laughs> like it's like I'm the I'm the only one. I do not have that advantage. Yeah. But with enough time and enough interactions and with enough like kindness and some humility, I can eventually. We'll eventually get there. Yeah, I I definitely believe that it's just gonna take just gonna take a lot more work than we probably thought. Oh, absolutely. It's um it's not it's not easy. So yep, yeah, that's um that's our best ad- advice on networking and some uh, networking exper- uh, experience stories to kind of get you guys to kn- know what it's like at these showcases, these all star games, and yeah, I can't wait i already can't wait for senior bowl 2021 i've never been to the senior bowl so this will be my first time with all you guys absolutely it will it will it will be great 
All right. Uh, next topic. Let's actually go over some of the players that you scouted, because that's that's what this is uh, about. This is a scouting podcast. Um, what were some defensive players that you really enjoyed watching? Really enjoyed watching, and you think will have a good shot in the NFL? Um, I really enjoyed Pete Werner of Ohio State, and I am so disappointed. That as of right now, Big Ten is not playing football because I would love to see Pete Werner play out his senior year. But hopefully, the Big Ten can figure it out and we'll have some Big Ten football. But anyways, for all my Bills fans out there that are listening, I don't really do comparisons. But Pete Werner reminds me a heck of a lot of Matt Milano of the Buffalo Bills. Um, I just, I don't, it's just his stature and the way he plays uh, dropping back in coverage. I just love, love how smooth he moves when he's in zone coverage, always patrolling through his zones, keeping his eyes on the quarterback. He can spread out and cover a slot receiver or a tight end in the slot if need be. He's trusted to do so. Um, And he's also kind of been used as a hybrid player, like Isaiah Simmons of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, He has been used in some occasions, not often, um, as a safety for Ohio State. Um, he has the speed. He has the vision. He can move <clears throat> He can move smoothly enough across the zones where he can be trusted to play safety if needed. But I do like him more as a linebacker, that's for sure. Um, Absolutely. I watched uh, that Ohio State that Ohio State defense as well when I was watching Tough Borland. And the thing that I noticed about Pete is, like, he isn't built like a traditional linebacker. He's more, like, long and skinny, yeah. am I correct? Yeah, so, he is quite a twig for a linebacker. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, good if you want somebody that's, like, long, uh, like long and can cover tight ends and zones. But, like, maybe not for – might not be – the best run line, uh, run stopping linebacker. Like you might not want to put him down as a Sam linebacker on, um, against 12 personnel. The guy I watched, um, for Ohio state was tough Borland. And he was almost kind of the opposite. Like he was, he was slow. He was often taken off the field on, um, passing, passing situations for Browning, I believe. Yep. For Browning. And, and that was just like a huge red flag for me. But um, whenever I was like looking at stuff online about him, they were constantly talking about his like leadership capabilities. Like he like blew out his Achilles towards the end of um, like two seasons ago and then like made a miraculous recovery. And it was like the hardest working rehab man ever. And was still able to play week one, like team captain three, year, three years in a row. And then I'm just, like, watching him, and I'm, like, excited and hoping to see, like, a James Laronitis or A.J. Hawk. But I'm, like, he's just so slow. Yeah. He, always, he, always, he always gets to a spot. He has got great in, instincts in the run game. He always fills his gap. He makes, he makes good tackles. But he just – I have no idea if he can overcome that lack of speed at the next level. And I know yeah, people are always like, tough. yeah, people always say, hey, it doesn't matter how big or how fast you are as long as you can play ball, but it's the players are a lot it, faster at the NFL level, and it does yeah. matter. Yeah, and he was 
I noticed that too when I was watching Ohio State. I was like, I think Paul's watching Tough Borland. Is that is that him? And then I was I read uh, I came across his number somewhere. I was like, oh, yep, that's him. Hanging back, <laughs> not catching up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh boy. Just getting to where he needs to go, albeit a little bit slowly. <laughs> hey, in like, yeah. no, no, uh, like the the kid hustles, the kid yeah, hustles, no absolutely NFL ready, ready motor, great instincts. I mean, ho- again, I'm kind of sad we aren't, we might not get to see much Ohio State because he probably he would have had the chance to move to being a three down linebacker with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who is uh, who is a linebacker, Raekwon, or uh, who left Ohio uh, State this year. Oh my gosh, I'm uh, slipping on that name. I want to say McMillan, but I know that's wrong. But yeah, the uh, uh, now I'm gonna have to fact check. <laughs> Malik Jefferson, Malik Harrison. Yes. What? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nick Harrison. Yeah. Harrison. Yep. So it's Malik Harrison. Yep. Harrison. With Malik Harrison gone, Tough Borland will have a chance to be a three-down linebacker. Um, and I was hoping that maybe, you know, there's a chance that his instincts and his football IQ and intelligence can be good enough that maybe he can play a little coverage just off in, uh, instincts and preparation and being in the right spot alone. But I still haven't seen that. So now it's just like, yeah, he's a guy you're going to draft in the seventh round and he's going to be on your special teams He's going to be your core special teamers for two years yeah. until you get bored of him. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. What do you envision um, uh, Pete Warner playing? What do you think are – I know you talked about his uh, strength, but I also know Pete Warner isn't going to be uh, taken in the top ten overall. So what do you think he yeah. would um, what, what um, need to work on? He, when he blitzes, he didn't he didn't blitz often, but when he did, he over-pursued the quarterback by a long shot. So he needs to take better angles while pursuing uh, ball carriers or the quarterback, whichever. Um, he did struggle to disengage from some blocks. Um, so in the run game, he wasn't, he wasn't as productive as you would have liked him to be because he can't get, he can't get off those blocks, whether it's from tight ends coming across or even receivers coming to coming up to the second level. Um, he just couldn't, couldn't get his head involved in the run game. Um, I love his motor. Um, he did bite on a bunch of run fakes on play action. So he, he would step down into the, uh, into the line and then he would get a quarterback would throw over his head. It, um, yeah, um, I would like to see him blitz more because if it was just one or two uh, over pursuit, over pursuing of the quarterback, it's only two times, so it's not really a good, uh, good amount of film to see him blitzing. So you would like to see that more. Um, he's more, and when he does blitz, he's more of a cleanup blitzer. He's not really the first person there. And then he also lost track of his coverage responsibility if he was too focused on the quarterback. So he doesn't have that ability that you would like in a natural coverage linebacker to use his peripheral vision to keep an eye on both the quarterback and his coverage responsibility. Um, so he would lose sight of his receiver or his tight end um, more often than you would like. 
just like Matt Milano, Matt Milano wasn't that great coming out of college as a coverage linebacker. He was more of a run stuffer. Uh, but as the seasons wore on and he got that work in and he was trusted more in the Bills system, he's become he's flip-flopped and now he's more of a coverage linebacker than he is a run stopper. Exactly. And that's uh, one of those things where uh, you talk about like projecting um, players to the NFL. It's like sometimes you have a guy who may not show a trait, show a trait um, in college, whether it's because they're not asked to do it that often, or they just haven't like grown into it. But then once they get into the NFL and once they get a couple seasons under their belt, they figure it out. And that can be like what makes like scouting like so frustrated. Like Melvin Gordon was not a pass catching back in Wisconsin, but now like that's one of the main reasons he even has value because his yards per carry is like garbage. So it's like, that's one of the more uh, fun things about scouting is trying to visualize what player, hey, might, might not have success at this trait right now, but he might have it in, um, in the future, but not like over projecting and make, making an imaginary player out of the player that you're watching. Yeah. Oh, what is a player that you scouted that you should uh, feel should be getting a little bit more buzz from the scouting community than what they're currently getting? Um, oh, I'm going to go back to Pete Werner for one second. I have not seen many people talk about him, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because there was Malik Harrison last year, and he got more of the buzz than Pete Werner did. Whatever. Um, Pete Werner, I that is probably the guy I'm most high on right now. Um, and then I would also have to say... Um, I want to say, I don't want to say he's not getting buzz, but, um, Sean Beyer of Iowa, he has been compared to, um, Noah Fant and, oh, what's the other, I'm drawing a blank, the other, uh, yep, Hawkinson, yep, that came out of Iowa as well. Um, he's been compared to both of them in on more than one occasion. Um, I don't, I did not necessarily see it while I was watching film, um, but there are also stuff. There's also stuff he needs to work on. So I don't know if he hasn't been able, hasn't been given the opportunity because T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant were ahead of him in the on the depth chart, um, or if he's just not being asked to do it, just like Pete Warner hasn't really been asked to blitz. Um, he does, he is quite athletic, Bayer is, um, but he's more of a blocker than he is a receiver, at least from what I've watched. Um, he's struggled to turn up field and break tackles. So like he'll get those, he'll get that initial five yards at the catch point. But after that, he's, he might get an extra yard after the fact. Um, he needs to work on his low is the strength of his lower half. That way he can break tackles and run through people. Um, but yeah, I do like I do like the potential potential of buyer. I just would love to see uh, 2020 if if and when it happens, the college football season for 2020. Exactly, Iowa has been a tight end producing machine lately. <laughs> you have George Kittle who is 
incredible. Like the last, what he's oh, been doing geez. in the last two years, it's not Rob Gronkowski at its peak just yet, but the fact that it's kind of close to Rob Gronkowski at its peak or like 90 to 95% of it is just yeah. unreal. What he does as both a blocker and a receiver has been incredible. And the fact that they got him in the fifth round is one of the best draft deals of the last 10 years. And then you have guys like Hawkinson who came in as one of the most well-rounded tight ends that the NFL has seen in years, has the, had the blocking ability, had the, had good pass catching ability. And while he wasn't your stereotypical tight end freak running a four or five at 260 pounds, he was still, still quite athletic for a tight end. And he showed some promises rookie year, but it didn't take a while to develop. And then you've got Noah Fant, who was, is that athletic freaky tight end who runs like a six, who ran like a six, five at six, four, 250, I believe. But yeah. So you have like three different tight ends, the late developer, the prototype and the freak, and they all come out from Iowa so you almost yeah. like the expectation is there for Bayer. Like you know the coaching's there, you know he's going to have plenty of opportunities to block, which is like the main issue tight ends are going to have trouble with making the jump from college to the NFL. It's just we we want to know more about whether or not this guy can be like a true bona fide receiver. And yeah, and the one Yep, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and we got another thing. This is a really good tight end class you got. Uh, Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, he's looking like he could be a prototype, can uh, uh, catch passes, can block. You got Kyle Pitts, who I've been seeing people compare to Travis Kelsey. Um, Brevin Jordan, who might just be an, um, who falls into that freak tight end category. And uh, I'm not probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but Brett Kite out of Utah, a guy that I saw in bits and pieces in the uh, championship game and when I was watching uh, Tyler Huntley last year. Just a very underrated player. So there's a lot of good tight ends in this class, and um, I think Bear has a chance to uh, uh, contribute or, well, if Big Ten can get a season. Yeah. The one thing about Bayer, too, is the end of 2018, he tore his meniscus. So 2019 was him getting adjusted during that knee brace. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, too. If his struggles in 2019 had to do with him adjusting to um, recovering from his meniscus and wearing that knee brace 24-7, that might be something, too, that we have to watch out for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, that, he just seemed, you know, that's just another thing with the whole college football season not playing is there's – well, some players like your um, Micah Parsons and your Caleb Farley's, like we know what they are. We know how good we are. Like another season would just go to prove that and kind of differentiate whether they're like a top of the first round like um, player or if they're more of a mid or a late round first round guy. Guys like Bayer, guys like Werner and Borland, where it's like we still need one season to see if they can do that one critical trait. And yeah, it's going to be tough scouting for both us as more amateurs, but it's also going to be tough for the profession, the professionals and the scouts for teams. They're going to be needing to rely on all-star games, interviews, 
and things of that nature, because just like us, they're not going to see what the player is going to look like in game. Yeah, it's going to be a tough year. Absolutely. Do you have any uh, other questions for me? Any other other topics you'd like to bring up? I do not, Paul. I think I am all set for today. Well, absolutely. It was a ple- it was a pleasure having you on. I think what we talked about with networking was uh, is very valuable, and hope you guys uh, learned learned something. And um, I hope you guys will tune in next time to the podcast, and uh, we'll continue to support and uh, this project going forward. Uh, you guys should follow Expand the Box Score on Twitter. Uh, that is. It's XTB and then Oxcore, so XT or XT Boxcore. You should follow me on Twitter at the football. So like a football, but I'm football. <laughs> bad pun. And you should follow Diana uh, at R E N C Z K S. Wrenchish. Yep, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. What he said. <laughs> So yeah, uh, thank uh, thank you guys, and I would appreciate any uh, input you guys could give. All right, thank you guys. Have a great rest uh, rest of your day and rest of your week. Have a good one. Bye guys.